Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. So we started Hebrews last week. This book is loaded. It is loaded. I mean, even this the text we're, we're going through this today is just like nothing but cross-references to the Old Testament. Like, if I were to stop and do every one, it would, we'd be here for like three hours, and we're not going to do that. Uh, but I encourage you to go back and check those out for yourself. Uh, this is uh, a very rich book. Uh, we don't know who wrote it. It's, some, it's an unknown author. Uh, probably, I'd say, the, most people think it's Paul. We don't know for sure. Um, but it's written to the Hebrews, um, and it's obviously addressing a return to Judaism, or at least through the traditions. And so the writer of Hebrews is going to go through all the different parts of the Jewish life and show how much better it is to know Christ. We're going to be looking at uh, the Old Testament to the New Testament and the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. How much far superior the New Covenant is to the old covenant, what we have in Christ. And so uh, as we do that, what's really cool is it opens our eyes as to the riches that we really have in Christ. And so this is all about, this book is all about the supremacy of Christ. And that's really the theme for the whole book, the supremacy of Christ. He's just so much better than anything else. And so today we're going to be looking at how Christ is better than the angels. All right, so Last week we did the first three verses. We're actually going to read those again, and we'll read through to chapter, I mean, to verse 14, the whole chapter. So if you guys would stand, let's read together. And then we'll pray. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, he has, uh, as he uh, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when uh, he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, He who makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of, this, of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemy your footstool? 
Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning, and we pray that you'd uh, speak to us by your spirit, that you give us insights to understand. You give us ears to hear, hearts that would be opened, eyes that can see. Lord, that we would take this rich book and we would uh, devour it, that we would uh, enjoy it, savor it, and that it would affect us, it would change us, Lord. So we pray that we would come before you and, and allow you to cleanse our lives from the inside out, Lord, by changing our mind on the way we see you, Jesus, the way we see ourselves, the way we see the world, uh, that our priorities would be made so straight here. So we thank you, God, so much for these people. We pray that you'd minister to each person. Everyone's coming in from a different place, Lord, and we know you want to touch each person right where they need it. So, God, we pray you do that here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Verse 4. Having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Again, we're looking at the supremacy of Christ. So how much better, as he's become so much better than the angels? Uh, did anyone come in here today thinking, I wonder if Jesus and the angels are pretty equal? No, we're not necessarily asking those kind of questions today, right? We're like, I don't really think about that. In fact, we've kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say it, now I am going to say it. Neutered angels to be to the place where they're just these little cute little figurines. Uh, I think it's actually what's going to be really important for us to understand how supreme Christ is, is partially looking at how amazing angels are. Uh, and if we can get a picture of how big angels are, it's going to rock us. You know, it's going to change our, our perspective on how much better Christ is than the angels. And so uh, to understand why this is a thing, we have to understand the way that the Hebrew mind, the Jewish mind, thought of angels. Well, angels were very involved in the things God had done then and now. Angels, it's, it, the word angels means messenger. They are messengers sent by God to minister on his behalf. There's actually four things that they really do. One, we know they worship continually. They're, they're constantly worshiping God and bringing praise to God. Those who are God's angels are serving him and worshiping him constantly, right? We get the picture of Revelation. We get really good pictures of angels in the prophets and in Revelation. And when you see, like, what, what angels look like, and there's different kinds of angels, too. There's, like, the seraphim, the cherubim. Uh, we know there's archangels. We know there's all kinds of different types, but... They're always, when they're kind of seen in what they really look like, they're always terrifying. And if you look at like the story with Isaiah, when he's there before the throne in Isaiah, I think six, uh, it's, a, it's a, a wild scene. It's like an angel's got like six wings, covering eyes, and it's just like, whoa, man. And Isaiah's like freaked. Angels are gnarly. Right? We know that they're super gnarly. So we get pictures of it, though, in the apocalyptic type literature. Uh, but Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes, eyes around and within. You're like, oh boy. And they do not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
So these angels, these mighty angelic beings, one of the things we've got to understand, first and foremost, they are constantly praising God. They're never praising themselves. They are praising God. Uh, Second, they bring messages from God. We see this. Right, Gabriel uh, was used to to uh, bring the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, also the birth of Christ. They'll come down and they'll say things. They brought the law. There was a there was somehow involved with bringing about the law. They spoke to man. Often we'll see them come. Sometimes they appear as men. Uh, and we're actually told that we don't know. Maybe we've been entertaining angels. One of the things I'm going to propose is that there are trillions potentially angels and that there's probably some here now they're mostly invisible and they that's by nature they're spirits they can be made visible and they can appear as a man which is wild they can also appear in an angelic being which is when people are always terrified uh so the but angels are, are very much real and they're used by god to bring forth messages right they were part of bringing the law uh remember they spoke to the woman at the tomb when they're looking for jesus angels were active in bringing messages from god this is what's so cool about god you're like why doesn't he do it because god loves partnership that's the idea of covenant partnership he is in partnership with the angels in a different kind of relationship than with us we have a relationship the angels marvel at like they don't even fully understand how god could love us so much, I think, and also the closeness, the fact that we are made in the image of God. We don't know necessarily of angels being made in the image of God, but we are given that uh, distinction. Also, they watch, guard, and interact in the lives of believers. Um, It could be through an earthly body or it could be through something else, Uh, but a lot of times there's a massive presence from the angels. Uh, they're gnarly. They're amazing warriors. Again, mostly invisible. Sometimes only visible to some and not to others, right? Remember the story of Balaam's donkey? Balaam can't see the angels, but the donkey can, and he ends up talking. It's wild, okay? It's like Narnia style. But there's, there's and, and we're actually, I'm going to tell an angel story at the end that's like so sick, and I found like Tons of these. And they actually all line up with scriptures. So, uh, but, yeah, anyway. Lastly, they are agents in bringing about God's judgment. Uh, They are able to take out armies on their own. On their own. (laughs) that wild? Um, They are, they will open seals. We've seen Revelation, Revolution, Revelation. They will blow trump the trumpets. They will pour out the bowls of wrath and ultimately bring final judgment to Satan and his demons. Angels are heavy, right? And what do we know? Uh, Satan is a fallen angel and his demons are fallen angels. We also know angels are ranked. There's, there's ranks. They are very much ordered. God is a God of order and the heavenly host, the heavenly realm is very much ranked. But it's important for us to know, because this is a theme throughout Scripture, that there is spiritual warfare going on, and we have angels on our behalf ministering and working amongst us. But that doesn't mean our, our job is not to bring them glory. They wouldn't take it. 
Angels don't want that kind of glory. The ones that did fell and are now the demonic realm. Okay? Those are the angels that said they wanted to be like God. Those are the ones that fell, and it was Satan, and we know like a third of the legion went with them. It's pretty wild. So as we're talking about the supremacy of Christ, it has a couple of implications. One, as we see how big angels are and how gnarly angels are and how powerful angels are and amazing they are, we'll see their focus is constantly at bringing glory back to God. And also, we'll see how far, in seeing how far superior Christ is, then the angels, it's going to blow our minds with the bigness of God, the greatness of God. And it will also put Satan and the demonic realm in its place. Because we'll see, he's so much greater. So, he's so much better, so much greater. So why angels? Why is this a thing to the Hebrew people? Well, because of the fact that angels had been used... Uh, uh, to bring about the law and be messengers, uh, there was, they were very highly exalted. Some even believed they were part of the creation account. And so there was, a, there was an over-elevation of angels at that time. Now, you could imagine the folklore of people especially that had seen them. I mean, it would be easy. We, we glorify far less, don't we? We exalt far less than angels in our lives. We put celebrities on a pedestal. <laughs> you go, What? How on earth could you do that? Because we're like, angels, that's so goofy. We do it with, like, people. It's crazy. So, uh, they're, they're, but to them, they would look at angels at a very high place. And we also know angels are often attributed to being equal with God, right? Was the Jehovah's Witnesses say? Michael, the archangel, that's what, who Jesus is? Michael, the archangel? Uh, in, in the Mormon tradition, what does it say? Jesus was the brother of Lucifer, an angel, a fallen angel. So to, it, there, there was a tendency to keep Jesus at the angelic realm. Now, why would these believers, because we know this is written to believers, why would that be such a threat? Well, because the heat was on. And I think there was a part to where it was easier to explain Jesus as an angel and not have to deal with the ramifications of saying, this is the only way to salvation. This is the only path that Christ has made for us and mankind. There, there, it was an easier way out. And we go, well, that seems kind of foolish, but do we not do the same? Do we not see the same? Uh, generally, people don't have a problem with Jesus, especially a lot of things he taught. Oh, yeah, he's a great teacher. He was like a wise sage, you know. But they do not want to hear the claims of him being God. And there's theologians that are working really hard to erase parts of the Bible that's, that claim Jesus is God. Oh, that must not have been him. I don't think he said that. I don't think he meant that. I think that was attributed later. Never mind all the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies that we see hundreds of years beforehand, including what we're going to quote in a second here, Psalm 2, found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, a couple hundred, a hundred to two hundred years before Jesus was born, right? That is attributed way back then. Okay, so uh, the author of Hebrews wants to show just how much greater Jesus is than the angels first by his name, right? As he's... Uh, uh, has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The way we approach names is very different than the way names were approached back in the day, right? You might pick out a book and you go, that sounds kind of fun, you know. You might do this or that, you know, whatever. That's a fun name. Names were a big deal, right? And especially the name that is above 
all names. A more ne- excellent name than they. Philippians 2.9 says Jesus is the name above all names. That every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's a name that's lifted high and exalted above every other name. And then verse 5, he says, For to, uh, to which of the angels did he say, You are my son, today I have, I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. These are all quotes from the Old Testament. The first one's from Psalm 2. That's the messianic psalm. Uh, psalm 1 is a beautiful psalm. Psalm 2 is, brings out the messianic nature. Really, they both kind of tie into what psalms is all about. 1 and 2 kind of gives like a, a preview of everything that is to come. Like a Cliff Notes version, right? There's just all this deep, rich wisdom. Uh, and then there's the messianic view. A lot of psalm is messianic. Uh, in nature. Jesus came and fulfilled a lot of that. He came and spoke a lot of those words as the fulfillment of it. Uh, and then this, the second one's from Second Samuel. We won't really get into all of them because, like I said, we'll be here forever. But the idea is uh, that Jesus is, is claimed to be the Son, and it was prophesied that the Father would say to the Son, the Son would come of the seed of the woman. This would be the Messiah, the one, the firstborn over all creation that was there at the very beginning. We talked last week about uh, Colossians. He's a firstborn of creation. Everything exists. He was there at the creation. Everything exists in him and through him. So we, we know that there's this this divine nature, Jesus was there at the very beginning. When we hear firstborn, it kind of throws us off, right? The firstborn into the world. Firstborn doesn't really mean what we think of as firstborn, like that Jesus was actually born, uh, you know, like a, a divine in heaven, like God literally had a son. No, it's, it's, it's not like that. The idea of firstborn is much different than that. In fact, uh, Israel is called the firstborn in Exodus 4.22, you say, shall say to the Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn, uh, is, is, is my son, my firstborn. The idea is of importance, prominence. Um, this, is, this is the idea of like starting a new thing in a sense. The beginning of something. And that's what the children of Israel were. This was a people that would stand and be set apart. Set apart for God's glory. And so they were like the firstborn over all creation. They were really important. And what was the firstborn side of that is the firstborn were, was given the birthright, and there was blessings with being the firstborn. There was an importance and an inheritance in that culture. And all the firstborn said, amen, and everyone else said, well, that's not for today. Okay, anyway. I was a firstborn. Okay. David was called the firstborn. Uh, Psalm 89, 27, firstborn as a king. Uh, I, also, I will make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Was, Jesus, was David the firstborn in his family? No, he was like forgotten. <laughs> they were like, all right, let's see. Uh, who, who do you got here for sons? Well, I have, we have this one and this one and this one. It's, not, it's none of these. Do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, no. You know what? I do have one more son. I kind of forgot about him. <laughs> That's like such a bad dad moment, you know? You know what? Yeah, the one I didn't even bring kind of for. He's in the fields. What fields? I don't know. 
he's kind of been on his own and killing lions and bears since he was like 13. Um, so let's go see him. No, David wasn't even the firstborn in his own family. Was he the first king? Also, no. Who was the first king? Saul, right? So that it's a level of importance. It's important to understand that, I think. Uh, but when he, again, brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let us all, let all the angels of God worship him. Well, where do we see that happening? Because angels, we don't see angels worshiping angels. We don't see angels asking to be worshiped. No, they like want nothing to do with that because they know the one. This is what's interesting because because angels have a direct path with God and they see Father God, they're dealing with the angelic realm, they will not touch that glory. They want nothing to do with it because they know how much greater he is than them. They are happy to serve and praise him. What does that tell us? You know, you can learn a lot by someone who's been somewhere before you've been there. I mean, it's smart to learn that, those things. And we, we value that. We value that a lot more than we even might think. How do you know? How many of you guys use Yelp? <laughs> what about TripAdvisor, right? I want to know what I'm getting myself into when I walk into that restaurant. And you kind of throw out the best one and the worst one, and you deal with the ones in the middle, right? You're like, ah, oh, this person owns it. This person, you know, never got over the breakup they had with them in, you know, 1975. And then, well, let's look at the middle. What do we got here? Okay, okay, okay. Let's go to that spot. <laughs> that works. Even better is someone that you actually know who's been to those places. And so the angels give us insights into just how good and just how glorious and just how amazing God is and just how big of a deal it was that, that he sent his son, God made man incarnate, to see us, or to be around us. Luke 2, we just did this, guys, Christmas, you know? We're reading it again. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Uh, and suddenly, I love this scene, there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Do you think angels have a problem with knowing who to worship? Absolutely not. There is a huge distinction here. When they see the son and they knew what the father was doing through the son, there's like a, a heavenly host just praising at a, at a child being born in a manger to teenagers. Uh, there you go. And, and of the angels, verse 7, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Angels are spirits. They are, are there and they're ministers of flame of fire. They have been known to minister through wind and fire. Isn't that wild? The world starts, get, all of a sudden it starts getting a lot bigger. God's kingdom starts getting a lot bigger when we think about these things. That, that, that the angels can minister through these type of things. They are spirits. Again, they can have a body, as noted earlier. There are times that angels show up in bodies. One of them is Sodom and Gomorrah. What a messy scene that is. Uh, and again, we said before, there's a chance there you run into them that you've met them. There's some people I, we wondered about. Like that, 
That might have been an angel, you know? That might have been God using an actual angel that looks like a man to minister or to, to meet a need or whatever. Maybe you guys have experienced that too. God is using them. They also, they want to know what's going on down here. They are witnesses of what's happening. That's why I think there's a good chance there could be one in this room. This like, kind of gives you like the chills. Like a massive angel in this room or many. Especially because, you know, they're like, they're with us. They're for us, you know. Pretty wild. But with that being said, how much more chills should we have? The fact that the living God is with us. How much more should we have chills knowing that the spirit of the living God is in you, begging you to relinquish the things that are killing you so that you could be made effective and mighty and warriors for him, for his sake. Angels are never called, they're called sons of God, lowercase s, but they're not called the son of God. You know, they're, they're, they're ministers and of God, but they're not, the, they're not God. There's a difference, big difference. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness uh, is a scepter of your kingdom. Um, so angels, we see the verse before, he makes his angel spirits, he who makes his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Angel, angels have the goal. Angels are here to serve. Christ is here to rule. Christ rules. That's the idea of the scepter. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. He rules forever and ever. He's got the scepter of righteousness. He's got a scepter of the kingdom. He reigns. He rules. He's above all. Angels serve. Christ rules. Again, what does that do for our theology? It's important we have good theology. I, I, I want to say something right now. Every person in here has theology. The question is, what is our theology? What does that mean? What do we believe about God? What do we know about God? And so we need to have a correct uh, understanding of who God is if we expect there to be a change inside of our lives. Because if we view God as weak and small and uninvolved and, uh, you know, kind of out there and, you know, we'll just kind of let it happen, happen, kind of a deist view. God started everything, but then he just was like, this is too much for me, I'm gone. No, if we view it like that, we're going to act like that. Our lives are going to reflect that. But what we believe and know about God is really important with the way that we live. Because the, the understanding is the thing that gets changed. Our minds are being re made new, renewed. And then the response is we offer our bodies as living sacrifices as an acceptable worship before him. Because our minds have been transformed and changed. The mind always goes before the body. Right? For the good, for the evil. You know, you heard people who've gotten caught in really bad situations. Uh, and they'll always say it started with the mind before it turned into a body problem. Right? I went there in my mind first, and then I went there with my body. And so we, we have to recognize the way that works. We need our minds to be renewed. And as our minds are renewed, our bodies will follow. The problem is, is that we often think the value is in looking like a renewed person, looking renewed, looking changed, without our minds actually being changed, which is really the sign of repentance. That's what repentance means. It's a change of mind or a change of heart. We get it. 
I never want to go this way again. And it doesn't bring bondage, it brings freedom. That's how we know the difference. And so us, our understanding of how big God is helps our, us to see ourselves as so much smaller and all lesser gods as nothing in comparison to him. So we, we want to see the supremacy of Christ. This is, we're going to be doing that all throughout Hebrews. And boy, does, not, does Christ need to be made supreme right here, right now. Again, we talk about the idea of angels being uh, neutered for no lack of better vocabulary. I mean, how much more so have we neutered what Christ wants to do in the church and in our own lives? See, it, 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 we are all greatly underestimating what he can do in our lives. And so we hold on to things and say, that's because that's who I am. Oh, that's because that's my background. Oh, that's because I came from here. You'd understand if you came from here. By the way, I've used all those excuses. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm Irish, so. Sorry. Sorry about your luck. Oh, well, I'm from San Bernardino. Sorry about your luck. Oh, well, you know, I, you know, I never shared my feelings, you know, as a child or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Something like that. No, 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 no. We have a God that's intimately involved and a Holy Spirit that's literally working in the inside out, ministering to us, working in us, trying to bring about le legit transformation. This is the idea. We don't want a church of people that look like they're transformed. We want to be a church that is transformed. Because if we're all trying to look transformed, we're going to hold it together until we get in the car and then explode. And then we turn on Tupac and we, you know, <laughs> you light a blunt and you're gone, you know, or whatever. Sorry. Um, the idea is this, guys. We don't want to be the fake. We want to be the real thing. We want to experience the real thing. Because that's what we have to give to the world. Because the world has a way of knowing what's real and what's not. It's, it's deeply ingrained in us. And I, I mentioned this last week. There is a way we can understand, even when people say nice things to us, we know when they don't like us and don't care about us. At the same time, we know people who can say very hard things for us to hear, but we can handle it because we know they actually love us and care, care about us. Because there's something deep down ingrained in us that recognizes real, recognizes real. And so that's why we're so drawn to authenticity and we're trying to find it everywhere. It's found in Christ. Our authenticity and the reality is found in Jesus Christ. There's no other place. So we want to be a transformed people that then can speak of transformation to the world. But we'll never do that if we keep Jesus real small. So open our eyes, Lord, to the supremacy of Christ. And we're going to get some real good pictures of it coming up right here. So again, he's... He's deity, he's over all, angels serve, Christ rules. As son, as deity, is able to rightly judge. He is able to judge, he, and he will judge. He's got this scepter, a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's the kingdom he brings forth. We get to be part of it. So sick. Thank you, Lord. We get to be part of that. We get to be heirs of that. He brings us in. That's how good he is. That's how Secure he is. He's bringing us in to be part of it. 
Verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You created everything that we know and so many people worship. Like Jesus created, he was before it all, he created it all. And so many people see it and so many people want to worship it. Right? And there's something about nature that's amazing. How was the surf this week, Jacob? How many boards did you break? Three? Close. Two? Two and a half. So close. How the waves were epic, right? How big? How was, what was the biggest wave you saw? 150 feet? No, I'm kidding. 15 foot face? That's big, right? Yeah, it's good. Heavy. That's something about that that's like awe-inspiring. Even the rains, the thunder, that just, we just feel it. We sense it. And so many people see that and then they, they worship creation. We're seeing that. We need to be good stewards of creation. Absolutely. We are not to worship creation, though. We worship the one who created it all. Because we'll see here in a second. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. So cool. He laid the foundation. Heavens are the work of your hands. Think about that. Designing and creating. And I love drawing when I have time. And it's just, I'm a sketcher. Like I just sketch like crazy. Just until I finally find what I'm looking for. It's just like this process. And you're like, whoa, yeah, that's what I want. It's like, that's the idea. He's doing this work with his hands. And he's designing it. And he's bringing it out and bringing it to be. They will perish, but you remain. So the works of his hands, the ha- all this will perish, the earth, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. Everything that we know, everything we know to be stable uh, in the world, of the world, the place we live, ground, we trust ground right? We trust earth. Get me off the plane. I'm going to, got my feet or out of a boat. Got my feet on dry land. All of that can, is, can pass away, can be folded up, can be gone, but he will not be changed. You are the same. There's a theological word for this. It's immutable. Immutable. Can't be mutated. How good a news is this? Because we see culture as insanely like moldable and shapeable. And we see, unfortunately, the church is too. A lot of the things that we're like, there is no way that will become, that, that will be preached. And it's, there it is. Moldable, shapeable, easily influenced. That's because there's bigger hands on them. They're allowing the hands of the world to be stronger than the hands of Jesus. And we stand strong and stand tall in the immutable, unchangeable God. You are the same and your years will not fail. There is no greater hope than Jesus. If you put it in anything else, what, like you're, you're going to be just bummed. Even if that thing doesn't necessarily fail you right away, it, it will be just unsettling because there's no stability. We've got to find our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Verse 13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? No, none of them. Angels don't rule, they serve, right? 
Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, including those above, those below the earth. Angels, good and bad, will ultimately glorify Jesus. They will all ultimately be, they will all proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as Savior. All of them. The idea is back in the day when uh, a king would conquer another king, he'd go before him and kiss his feet, basically. And then he'd put his foot on him, like make him your footstool. You guys understand the idea that Jesus is so far above and victorious above all other principalities and powers. They will all say uncle. Remember that? It's like there's nothing worse than that, than doing that to someone. And, you know, and I remember I did that to someone one time when they like, they did something to me and I just like decided to show my power. And I grabbed them by the neck and I said, kiss the ground and say I rule. Yikes, you know. Probably it happened to me before that, but I was like, ah, but I'm Irish and I'm from San Bernardino, so it's okay, right? But that's the idea. It's like, there's nothing more humiliating than that, right? And all principalities, all power, everything, you will either fall on the rock and be broken or have the rock fall on you and be crushed. What do we choose? Because even though it looks like evil is winning, oh, no, 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 no. Is setting up the greatest comeback or the greatest uh, ending of all time in some sense, right? And so what do we do? We reach out to people with the good news of the gospel, the greatest hope of humanity. And we do that because we are, ourselves are changed. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? This is who angels are, ministers for us. This is something that they do. They minister on our behalf. Uh, again, they're likely among us right now. How many? Well, Revelation 5 says, then I looked, 5.11 says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures. Guys, oh, hold on, close your eyes for a second. Just listen to this. Think about this scene. I'll try and read it slowly because I listen to all my audiobooks at like 2.0 speed. So I've become too fast of a talker. <laughs> then I looked. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Can you picture that? 10,000 times 10,000, you do the math. It's a lot. It's over a thousand. No, it's like trillion, I think, or something crazy like that. And, it's, and then it says, and thousands and thousands. You get the picture? These mighty angels, and they're all sitting there praising God. How high is Christ over us? Now, l listen to this story. My commentary uh, by R. Kent Hughes in the book of Hebrews, he, ha he laid out like five angel stories that were all in different parts of the world before they could even really talk much to each other in different times, and they all sound very similar, and I wish I could share them all with you, but we'd be reading for 20 minutes. I'm going to share one. This one was found in the uh, uh, Billy Graham's book, Angels, okay? And you might have heard this story, but again, there's many like it. 
On a dark night, about 100 years ago, a Scottish, it, the, the name of the guy who's involved in it is John G. Patton, uh, the New, New Hebrides. I don't know how to say that word, but anyway. Uh, so, on a dark night about 100 years ago, a Scottish missionary couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals, intent on taking their lives. That terror-filled night, uh, that terror-filled night, they fell on their knees and prayed that God would protect them. Intermittent with their prayers, the missionaries heard the cries of the savages and expected them to come through the door at any moment. But as the sun began to rise, to their astonishment, they found that the natives were retreating into the forest. The couple's hearts soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of that tribe was converted. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night. He asked the chieftain uh, why he and his men had not killed them. The chief replied, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, why, there were no men with us. There there, There was just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him, saying, there were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house so we could not attack you. So I read that one, and he says, great story. Here's a bunch of other ones. There was one, a, a Norwegian missionary, Marie Monson, in North China, uh, and God had intervened, she said, multiple times through angels, used angels multiple times, um, where shooters were surrounding them, and, and they, were, they were left sitting, there, so they were stuck, right? And the story was, again, very similar. There was these huge men with shining faces. Uh, many stories tell all very similar. They all sound very similar, where there's very tall men with either shining garments or shining faces with giant swords, sometimes flaming swords, surrounding them. And all these people bailed. Now, here's the cool thing. Many of those people or tribes or whatever ended up coming to Christ later to tell these stories. I remember hearing the story about uh, it happening in, in, a, in the streets, in the alley, where a woman was being followed, and she, was, she knew a guy was following her, and so she prayed, and all of a sudden an angel was there to protect her, and the guy ends up saying later, there was a giant man standing behind you with a sword. What is this? This is God showing his, his angels, sending his angels, allowing his angels to be moved. How do we receive this? We say, God, protect us, use us. But again, this is nothing. If we just go, wow, I'm really stoked on angels now. I'm going to, you know, I had to write a, a doctrinal statement on angelology. What are angels? What are demons? Satan? Who, how do we view all these things? And I was like, I haven't really thought about all this. The idea is not that we go get really stoked on angels. The idea is we get stoked on the one who trillions of angels are together in unison with one voice crying out, worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's the son to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. That's, the, that's what we elevate. That's who we elevate. The supremacy of Christ. So, Here's the thing, whatever is in your life that is getting in between you and that vision, those are false idols, false gods in your life. Even if it's an angel, that's the idea. You want to see angels as, as, as equal with Christ? They certainly wouldn't want to do that. 
Never find the lesser God. Again, people worship creation instead of the creator. You're so close. Ah, You see it. You can see glory. You know what glory looks like. You're longing for it internally. People worship the image of God, mankind, instead of God. Ah, You were meant to worship something. And it was meant to be God. See the image of God. You could see a part of it. You could see the creative process. You could see the the the, the compassion, the heart. Nah, it's not. That's not it. So you never look at uh, people. Obviously, celebrities, stuff like that. You don't look at pastors or evangelists as like, oh, that's the the goal. Oh, if I could only, if I could only. No, 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 no. We are point. Everything is pointing straight to Christ. Because if the angels are doing that, how much more so should we? Man, I'm telling you, Hebrews is going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy. But if we allow it, and if we show up, keep showing up, guys. Keep showing up. And we allow this to transform our thinking and our understanding. Man, we're going to really see Jesus for he is. That he's so much better than anything else we could possibly imagine. That the new covenant was the fulfillment of it all. That we have now this great high priest that's above every other kind of priest we could possibly have who sympathizes for, with us and empathizes with us. He gets our weaknesses and he's praying on our behalfs. How cool is that? So, this is what we get to do right now. We get to sing praises to him. So whether, whether you like singing or not, that's, that's, that's not the point. The idea is that we take this time as a moment of praise, right? The idea of worship is a lifestyle. This isn't just worship. We say worship a lot. But worship is a lifestyle. It's how we live our lives in worship and honor towards God. This is praise, where we take these words and we sing them out and we bring praise to God. So we get to sing to him. And so it doesn't mean it has to be a grand spectacle or, you know, people falling on the ground or something like that. But it is our minds are engaged and we're looking at the one who's supreme above the angels and above it all. God, lift our eyes. Help us to see. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.